March 13th, 2023, we're in Masechet Beitza and Yod Amud Bet, in the very last of the narrow lines. The Gemara says, If you recall, that's a citation from our Mishnah. Mishnah was talking about when a person designates, when they're Mizamen, Efrochim, the chicks of birds that they're going to slaughter and eat on the holiday, before the holiday, if they were to do so, and before the holiday, there were three of those small birds, of the young uh, chicks, and then they wake up on the morning of the holiday, or at any point on the holiday, they go up to the nest and find only two, what's the halacha in such a circumstance, mutarin. We assume that those two are the two remaining. There were initially three. You had designated all three. One of them uh, tiptoed away. One of them made its way out of the nest. And these are the two remaining ones. Says the Gemara, Maita'ama, what's the reason? Why are we permitting those two, uh, which are in the nest right now? Hane, we assume these, Inhu Ninhu. They are the same ones as originally. The Had Minayu, and just one of them, one of those three, Azal Le'alma, it traveled off into the world. In other words, as we mentioned just a moment ago, when there were three and now you found two, our assumption is, halachically speaking, we appraise the situation and therefore determine three were there, these are two of those three, even though they don't have specific marks that distinguish them from others, that can and should be your, your assumption. Says the Gemara, okay, let's take that as our premise, let's understand the Mishnah in that fashion, that's how we're going to stick with it. But let's in turn analyze this uh, vis-a-vis and in, in contrast to something else that we know. Says the Gemara, should we therefore suggest that our Mishnah follows only the opinion of Rabbi, but not the Hachamim? And as I mentioned on Friday, Rashi cites from the Gemara Masechet Ketubot. Generally speaking, we're posek like Rabbi, Rabbi being Rabbi Udah Nasi, the editor of the Mishnayot. That's only, however, the Gemara and Ketubot and Dafkaf Aleph says, when it's Rabbi Mehavero, when it's one against one. If it's one against the majority, if Rabbi is going up against Hachamim, he loses out in terms of Pesach Halacha. Of course, we go based on the majority. All right, that's first premise. Second premise, second thing to know about, is our Mishnah is what we call a Stam Mishnah. There's no mention of a name. It's an anonymous Mishnah. We generally assume Stam Mishnah Halacha Kistam Mishnah. The reason that the editor of the Mishnayot, Rabbi Yehudah Nasi, Rabbi, left out names was because it would only be confusing. If you don't need the name, if this is how we go, La Halacha, no need to mention the name, and in turn, we go like Stam Mishnah. Well, that being the case, we have what seems to be a contradiction. On the one hand, we're about to suggest that our Mishnah follows Rabbi, even though it's a Stam Mishnah, which means Halacha is like that. On the other hand, we know that Rabbi goes up against majority, and Halacha... So it can't be, therefore, the Gemara assumes that our Mishnah would be following the minority opinion, that of Rabbi and not Hachamim, because our Mishnah is Alibadi Hilcheta. You'll run into those sorts of issues. Okay, that's the technicality aside. A little bit more in terms of the mechanics. Uh, what's the Mahlok Rabbi and Hachamim we're about to mention? As we uh, prefaced on Friday, what we're about to address is what's called Maaser Sheni. Maaseh Sheni was on years 1, 2, 4, and 5 of the Shemitah cycle. Again, Shemitah cycle is 7 years. The 7th year, there's no Tirumah, there's no Maaseh. But on years 1, 2, 4, and 5, of course, the exclusion of 3 and 6, in addition to Tirumah, which was given to the Kohen, in addition to Maaseh Rishon, the first tithe, which was given to the Levi, there was what was called Maaseh Sheni. Maaseh Sheni was taking 
that next tenth of your produce and bringing it to Yerushalayim where you'd eat it together with your family. If you couldn't bring it together with your family in the proper time, and so what you could and needed to do was to redeem it. The Torah details this. You needed to redeem it. So you take the value of all those fruits and vegetables and produce that you have and you'd redeem it on some coins. And you say, these coins now have the status of Kiddushah, they're sanctified. I'll bring these to Jerusalem, purchase fruits with them and food and so forth, and we'll enjoy that as is our responsibility. That's the circumstance. So you had year one, two, four, or five, and you had Ma'aseh Sheni, and you redeemed it. Now, where did you put that money that you redeemed it with? Now, the money we're going to specifically refer to, it doesn't matter, you could translate it into dollars or... I don't know, pesos or whatever you want it to be. The, the, the value we're going to call is mané. Mané is 100 zoos. You, know, you might know that from the Kituba, those sorts of language. Anyway, that's the value of the coin that we're describing, the value of the money that you redeemed it uh, upon. Where'd you put that money? I don't know. You had some sort of uh, drawer, some sort of cupboard or uh, chamber where you left that money. But the circumstance got tricky because you had money and then when you returned over the course of some time without having full access, no security cameras, no uh, ledger with regards to where the money went, it wasn't the same amount. Either there was more money than you had initially placed or there was less money. How are we to determine what's that remaining money which is there? Somewhat similar to our case. You before the holiday, of course, went and found three birds. You uh, said that these three I'm designating to be used on the holiday. Came back the next day and there were only two. I'm assuming those two came from the initial three. You already understand how this is going to be somewhat parallel. So let's see it. Says the Gemara, Lema matnitin rbihi velora banan detanya. The Beraita taught the following. Hiniyah mane. If you left, one mane. That's uh, call it a hundred dollars and a hundred dollar bill, right, or coin, and for our purposes, uh, you left that. And that's the status of ma'aseh sheni. It needs to be treated with tahara kedushah umasaba. When you returned over time, okay, let's not assume it's the next day. Let's assume it's half a year later. You go back to wherever you left it, and you found 200. How are we to determine? What's the status of those two coins now? Did you now lose the ability to use one of those coins? I mean, what happened over here? Was, what's the situation? We have to you know, reconstruct what may have taken place. The first opinion over here says, what does it say? Says Rabbi, we determine and we suggest that those two coins which are now there, initially one coin, which was Ma'aseh Sheni, now two coins, we say one of them is Ma'aseh Sheni, one of them's Hulin. One of them you included, your wife, your child, put another $100 bill, $100 coin into there. And we say one of them is Kodesh, it's, it's Ma'aseh Sheni, and the other one's Hulin. How do you deal with such a situation? Rashi fills out the details. Tosafot disputes a little bit, but something along the lines of you take that those two coins, you grab the nicer, the better of those two coins. Once upon a time, we cared about what the coins looked like. Keep in mind, the coin had a certain value to itself. If the coin became rubbed out, it lost some of that value. It's a different reality than we have today with bills and coins, which have different sort of value and so it's different sort of usage. Anyway, you took one, the nicer of those two coins, and you said about that coin, this coin is Ma'aseh If originally this is the actual Ma'aseh coin, fantastic. So I'm just leaving it that way. If it wasn't, then that coin, that other coin, should be transferred its sanctity, its Kedushah, its Ma'aseh into this one. 
and that one should be uh, uh, left now to be used uh, accordingly for whatever I want it to be. So again, Tosafot has mechanics exactly. There has to be a stage in between. But that's what you'd have to do. So, but the, fundamentally, our, for our purposes, the B's opinion then is, if you walked in and initially had one coin, you return and there's two coins sometime later, you should assume just one got transferred and deal with it accordingly. One of them is still Ma'asir Shini. Why would you take the opposite assumption and say, if I'm putting it in a box, and where'd the other one come from? Master. You forgot that there was an extra ma'asashini. Like, uh, the, the funny thing is, we don't even take that into account. The question is either it's both hulin or one's ma'asashini. I assume the answer is, I assume we're dealing with, you know, they were somewhat on it's top of. Just as good. My, I, I hear you. I don't have a simple answer to it. Other than maybe produce is a little bit different. You're aware of where of of you, of how much was taken from your produce and when you redeemed it and how that sort of thing went about. I don't know. They never. In other words, that's not even. It's not even on on the page. Our case is coming up, 100%. A.B. says what we read until now is not relevant to our conversation other than it leads us to the next one. Okay, get, get, stick with it. So first and foremost, Ditanya, let's read it again. Matai means 200. Now, it doesn't mean 200 coins. It means the first coin was the value of 100 zoos. So now you found two coins, 100 and 100. Okay, that could just be a little confusing. We have to assume, says it be, it's now one coin, Hulin, and the other one, Kodesh, or Ma'aseshini, Me'uravin, Zebeze, Divrerebiv. Hachamim Omrim, Hakol Hulin. Hachamim disagree on the opposite extreme of Jeffrey. It's all Hulin. We should assume that the one that was Ma'aseshini got moved away, and this turned into, uh, I don't know, a usage area for someone else or for you at some point you forgot. Okay, here's the case we're looking for, says A.B. You left 200 zoos, parallel to three birds. Umasa, and you come back sometime later, Mane, there's only one, parallel to two birds. Okay, what did our Mishnah tell us? Our Mishnah told us, assume that those two birds were from the initial three. What's the halakha? Mane munah umane mutal divrerebi. Says Rebi, indeed it was so. You left 200, two coins, one was taken, and the other one that's remaining is ma'aseshini. That's parallel to our Mishnah. Our Mishnah, you left three, three birds, you came back there with two, assume one, azalu parah le'alma, and the other, or the other two that remained are the ones that were there from original. Vahachamim omrim hakol holin. Chachamim disagree. They assume that the fact that the number changed from two to one, and by extension, we assume in our Mishnah with the birds from three to two, means it's altogether new ones. Don't assume that's what remained. Rather, assume what was there originally is gone, and this is altogether different. Says the Gemara, do you mean to tell me then our Mishnah only follows that opinion of Rabbi? And not hachamim. Says the Gemara, no, maybe not. Maybe we can distinguish. Perhaps our Mishnah would even accord with the opinion of hachamim. How are you going to distinguish? How are you going to explain this? Ha'itmar Allah. Period. The opinion of Rabbi Li'ezer and Bi'ohanan is that we are more lenient in this context, or at the very least the reality is envisioned as different over here by gozalot, what's gozalot? Chicks. Why? Because chicks move. Well, not fly yet. They, uh, they hop. 
Right. Uh, what was it thinking? Something along the lines of what you know Jeffrey was insinuating that we can move the money as well. That's right. That's right. So that's the distinction ultimately speaking for Rabbi Yezer and Biyohanan. And again, really what might be at play, although the Gemara doesn't spell this out directly, is it's, you know, you get into a world which we're not going to fully get into right now called Hazaka. Hazaka means that I have a halakha reality that I determine for something. I assume something is such because I know X about it. And in turn, what you're really dealing with over here is this is the reality of this item. Should I now assume that it changed? The only way I could assume it changed is if there's something natural, quote unquote, taking place as opposed to artificial from me. All right, listen, ultimately speaking, that's what Bili Aizan and Biyohanan answer. They suggest not to parallel that Beraita, the case of Ma'azesh, and to our Mishnah, the case of Gozalot on Erif Yom Tov. And the reason is because we can and should assume that when it was three, one was gone, yeah, one hopped away. When it was the coins, well, where'd it go? Someone moved it? No, but you didn't move it. It doesn't move by itself, in the words of Allah. Okay, says the Gemara, but wait a second, why do you even need to go to that distinction? I have a more simple distinction, potentially. Here's where it gets a little bit more complicated in the Gemara, but just stick with it. It says the Gemara, Ve'lama li why do you need to give that answer? Everybody's happy with the answer. We just can't understand why it was a necessary answer. We have an answer which preceded Rabbi Yohanan be the answer. If you read the Tanaic literature properly, you would have seen that you could have already had an explanation to this. What's that? Don't we have a statement about that that beraita? Those two same opinions, Rabbi Yohanan and Bil Azar, they had a dispute about how to qualify, how to explain that mahlok between Hachamim and Rabbi. Let's remember the mahlok for a moment and then inject ourselves into qualifying it. The mahlok it is, I placed two coins. They were both ma'aseh sheni, maneh and maneh. I came back after time and there was only one remaining. What's the halakha? Mahlok. According to the B, one, the, the one that's remaining, I need to assume is ma'aseh sheni. According to the hachamim, it was, uh, it's, it's hulin. There's no, such, uh, there's no such reality in such a circumstance. The fact that it's a different number means it's different. Now, were we dealing with when those two coins were placed in the initial stage, were they placed in a single wallet, in a single pouch, or were they placed in two separate pouches? You might say, who cares? Well, we might care very much. Says the Gemara, that's actually a mahlokit. Ha'itmar ala on the one hand, one of these two opinions assumes and suggests that Rabbi and Chachamim only disagreed in a situation where there were two separate pouches. Two separate pouches, oh, we say in such a circumstance, okay, Rabbi says one of the pouches was taken and the other one remains. That much I understand. If it was one pouch, however, even Rabbi would say one pouch and what's remaining? One? 
that doesn't make sense. No, Chulin. It doesn't make sense that someone, that you would go into your pouch, or into your tzedakah box, take out some of the money and leave, uh, and leave something uh, afterwards. It doesn't make sense. We can't imagine such a reality. You would have replaced it. Our assumption instead is that that pouch, that tzedakah box, was removed and you put something in its place. It, and, it, and you gave my or you put it somewhere else. Or, the pouch was empty. or you put it somewhere else. No, no, the pouch, it's, but where'd that money go? You put it somewhere else. You changed, you changed your location of your tzedakah holdings. That's, that's, that, that's, okay, that's one opinion. The other opinion says, no, quite the opposite. It says, listen, well, so kind of the opposite. When it's kis ehad, when it's one pouch, where well, we have the uh, Jeffrey uh, angle, uh, we could say like this. On the one hand, the hachamim say it was one pouch, and there's one coin remaining. Ah, you must have moved it. Uh, Rabbi says alternatively, no, no, it's not the way it was. What happened to your ma'asesha? You took one. I don't know what you did with it. I, I don't know. Maybe you gave it to, I'm not sure. But the one that's remaining is the one that's ma'asesheni. If it was two separate pouches, however, even the hachamim, Jared, agree in such a circumstance that the one that's remaining is ma'asesheni. All right, well, that's, you know, you can see the logic. I couldn't eat it. Yeah. Says the Gemara Mahloket. If you're to tell me that the Mahloket, the dispute between Rabbi and Hachamim is with two pouches, that's directly parallel to our situation. After all, what are we dealing with? We're dealing with three birds. Are the birds in some sort of pouch? Of course not. They're separate. And as a result, since they're separate, one's missing. How do I now determine what the reality is? If the case of Rabbi and Hachamim was two separate pouches, and there's still a Mahloket about what the status is over there, it's for that reason that we got stuck. We said our Mishnah is following the opinion of Rabbi and not the opinion of Hachamim because now we have a direct parallel then to the case of the money. The money is they're separate entities. I have the case of the chicks, which are separate entities. There was three and two remaining. There was two and one remaining in the case of the money. That's the same thing. How are you going to resolve that our Mishnah isn't only following solely the opinion of Rabbi? You have to say it's because the chicks were moving. If, however, alternatively, you argued, as we had an opinion just a moment ago, that the Mahloket, the dispute between Rabbi and Hachamim, was specifically and only when it's one pouch. However, if it was two separate pouches, even the hachamim agree. What you find there in that pouch that was in your special area it was obviously ma'aseh sheni. Then everyone would agree to our mishnah. You didn't need to talk about the fact that they're moving because everybody agrees in such a circumstance that it's sheni kisin. It means that it's both rabbi and hachamim. Right, in other words, right, in other words, in such a circumstance, since you have shenekisim, the mahloket doesn't apply when you have two pouches. Everybody agrees when you have two pouches, they're right. There's no argument in such a circumstance. The one that's remaining is ma'aseh sheni. It means that's what was remaining, and one was taken with the three birds, and three chicks, two were remaining. You should say the same thing, and you have no, no dispute. Says so the Gemara Hashata, Lamali Lishanuye Allah. Why do you need the Jared answer from the beginning? Why do you need to tell me that the chicks are moving? I don't care. 
if the chicks are moving or not. The chicks could be uh, disabled chicks. The chicks could not know how to move. And still you'll have the same statement in our Mishnah because it's directly parallel to the money in the pouches, in two pouches. Ha'amarta bishne kisin la peliged. Didn't you tell me, according to this angle, that when there are two pouches, even the hachamim agree, the words of the Gemara are mane manach u mane natal. Uh, you, you took one of them and you left one of them. I says the Gemara, Amara vashe hacha begozalot mekusharim vekisim mekusharim askinan. Gozalot menateche ahadade kisin la menateche ahadade. No tomatoes, please. But the Gemara suggests that the case is perhaps our Mishnah is talking about all circumstances, even. I don't know, Morris is not here to yell at me, nobody would do this. Even when you tied up the chicks, and the kshene kisin as well is specifically, or maybe specifically, where the two pouches are sewed one to the other, or are strung up, knotted one to the other. Uh, well, that being the case, well, we now removed any of the extenuating circumstances. In both of them, we should assume they stay in their place. Oh, well, maybe not. I'll tell you why I don't know. It means that the hachamim now, it means that the hachamim now might not agree, excuse me. It means at this point then, we should not assume per se, according to the hachamim, that that which remains is the original item. Because after all, if that which remains is the original item, how did they get separated? Where did the other one go? It must be that that whole original segment, all three, all two, were moved out of the scene, and whatever is remaining, the one or the two, is something altogether different. Oh, so then how come in our Mishnah, and for that reason, perhaps in our Mishnah, we talked about the movement of the birds. Well, how does movement of the birds help? They were tied one to the other. If they're connected one to the other, you had three and now they had two, says the Gemara, with birds, and they're moving around as much as you tied them one to the other, which, by the way, would probably be very difficult. You have to take their little, little uh, chick legs and tie them or their necks or whatever. Ultimately speaking, they could wiggle out of it. They could undo the, the, the knot which is connecting them. When it comes to the money in the pouches, how's that becoming undone? And as a result, we needed to answer, even though we thought, why do you need to answer? You're talking about two separate pouches. There's no mahlokit, so it's the exact same thing. This was our question as the three birds, which are separate entities. And you needed to answer because we're talking talking about even when they're all tied up one to the other. It then could distinguish if it's birds which move around. They can undo the, the string. They can undo the connection to one another. When it comes to the pouches, you assume not that way. The mah- no, we're still, the ma- yeah, we're saying even, we had a mahlokit. We're not sure if the mahlokit was kisihad or not, but even if the mahlokit was only a kisihad, that's right. This answer, right? So it says the Gemara, virbi, amalekha, so then how do you explain the opinion of virbi? Uh, how, why would Rabbi then tell you that when it comes to the money, when the pouches were tethered one to the other, they were connected, they were knotted one to the other, you say, oh, one was taken and the other one remained. Well, one was taken and the other one was remained. Who would detach them? There's no chicks moving around. The pouches don't move. I mean, this is not uh, some sort of uh, sci-fi movie. That's right. That's Rabbi. Rabbi would tell you that even with the pouches, even though you have them in their place, the fact that they get moved around, they get jostled here and there, ultimately speaking, the knot could come out even by them. No, 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 the case is again, you had two pouches, each with a coin in them. Toad sewed one to the other. That's our case. Yeah, that's, that's our case. 
And so that's how the Gemara resolves us. Okay, ultimately speaking, uh, we didn't, we didn't uh, move the bar all that much, right? Ultimately speaking, we did some f- fantastic, important intellectual uh, uh, exercises over here, but the Gemara, ultimately speaking, resolves. That's right, our Mishnah stands. Don't question, it's only the opinion of Ribi. We can resolve our Mishnah even according to Hachamim because birds might be different than uh, pouches of money. All right, let's see the Gemara onward. It says the Gemara, If the case was that before Yom Tov, you designated whatever amount of birds, two, three, ten birds, and you come on the holiday uh, to that same area where you designated them, keep in mind some sort of pigeonhole area, and instead of being inside, they're now outside the Mishnah, told us Asurin. Says the Gemara, and we're going to review a point that we made in a similar context, but a little bit different, so we should all be familiar with these words already. Says the Gemara, Lema, should we suggest that our Mishnah, Misayyeh Aleh Lerbi Hanina, Damar Bihanina, Rov Vekarov Halech Ahar Harov. So, after all, we have this statement of Rabbi Hanina. Let's see how we apply it. The statement of Rabbi Hanina is you have two, at least two mechanisms for determining doubt and uncertainty from the Torah. One of those, again, I'm uncertain what the status, what the situation is. I don't know the reality. One of them is the Torah tells us you go based on majority. The Torah says in the context of court, you go based on the majority rule in a court, but we apply it to all circumstances. I'm uncertain what the reality is, you go based on the majority. The, not, the ten shops of meat, one is outside, I'm not sure, nine shops, one, uh, nine are kosher, one's not kosher. I assume that piece of meat is kosher. That's a harer abim lahatot, that's the majority ruling. Alternatively, you have which shop is it closest to? Alternatively, you have in the Torah, the parashah ve'egla arufai, determine the status of this body. Where did it come from based on proximity to one of these two cities? What do you have when these two determining factors clash one with the other? Majority dictates it's A, and proximity dictates that it's B. What am I supposed to do in such a situation? For one reason or another, Rabbi Hanina determined, rov v'karov, if I have a clash, halecha har harov, go based on the majority. It says, Gimara, I think I have a beautiful proof for you, Rabbi Hanina. I'll tell you how. Our case is this nest, this nest area, this pigeonhole. These birds or some birds are now found outside. Where should I assume they came from? If I'm going to go based on proximity, they came from right inside that hole. Mutar. If I'm going to go based on majority, they came from anywhere else. And as a result, Asur, Rov, Vikarov. Uh, clearly, we're going based on the rov, the majority being the majority birds of the world. Says the Gemara again, Lema, should we suggest, our Mishnah supports, Says Abaye, not so fast. The case in our Mishnah is there's a daf, there's some sort of plank, some sort of platform, perch outside of the nesting area, which means to say that even when you came before the holiday, there are birds on that thing outside of it. And in turn, it's not a rov, a majority versus karov versus proximity. It's a rov and karov versus karov, which means to say when I'm talking about where those birds come from, the birds could have been perched on that outside thing from the beginning. It's not that it coming from the majority outside, there were all the long birds over here. So I thought it meant, did the birds come from the tree down the road, or did they come from inside here, this one's closer, that's further, but there's a majority of birds down there and all around. That's not what it meant. I did say that, but it's more than that, because there were birds all around this, on this perch outside, which are karov as well. You can't prove Rabbi Hanina from our Mishnah. Rava Amar, Rava gives an alternative assessment, explanation to what our Mishnah is 
talking about bishne kinin zo lemaala mizo askinan. The case is you have two, and imagine pigeonholes of some sort, birdhouses of, of another sort, right? One on top of the other, okay. Velami ba'aya, and here's the case. Lami ba'aya, I don't, it, and not only is the following true, zimen betachtona velo zimen ba'aliona, in the case is perhaps I, I designated the bottom birds, the birds from the bottom coop area, and not the top ones, umatza, and then I come on the holiday again, zimen betachtona velo zimen ba'aliona, bottom and not top, but now I come back on the holiday and where are the birds? There are no birds in the top one. There are only birds in the bottom one. Again, I deter, I designated bottom, not top one. I come back now and they're only in the bottom and on the top. What's the halakha in such a circumstance? De asiran. I say they're asur. Why are they asur? De amrinan hanach alma vahanach ishtarbuve ishtarbu v'nachut. Uh, we assume in such a circumstance, or we take into account the fact that the bottom ones may have left and gone out to the world to see their friends and family in other lands, and the top ones have uh, kind of hovered downward and entered into the bottom coop, which makes sense in terms of birds which are not flying yet. We're not going to imagine per se that they flew upward or they climbed upward, but they did hover downward, and the bottom ones kind the of... Ones flew no, they uh, tiptoed out. Or they matured very quickly and flew away. Ela, afilu, even says Rava, zimen ba'ilyona velo zimen ba'tachtona, ba'amatzah ba'ilyona velo matzah ba'tachtona, hanach asire. Even in the circumstance where you designated the top ones, not the bottom ones, and you came on the holiday and there are no longer any bottom ones, we still say atzasur. Why are you saying atzasur? These birds can't fly yet. So you're not going to tell me they hovered out and, and, and tiptoed away. Uh, you could have told me that, but then had the bottom ones get up to the top one. Say that the top one's permitted. What about so in this circumstance, this is what the Gemara is kind of pointing what Rava is doing for us. We're not really dealing with proximity per se any longer. It's all the same proximity. What's that? They're not on the ledge. They're inside. You, you came before the holiday, five on top, five on the bottom. I look at the top ones, I say, ah, these are beautiful, top ones. I come back on the holiday, zero on the bottom, five on the top. Why do I have to assume that? So his statement is, Let's assume that the top ones tiptoed out, made their way away, uh, out into the world. The hanach and the bottom ones, they climbed up the walls and the outside external area or internal area and made their way into the top area. Why are we making all these assumptions? Well, keep in mind what we have. That's right. That's right. What we're dealing with in this circumstance is a suffix. We're uncertain. We don't know. We don't know where those birds went. Is it possible? None of, in neither one of these cases is it okay. That's the suggestion of Rava. And keep in mind, again, our Mishnah's statement was... You want to go lekula for simhat yom tov. I designated it. They're there. The fact that others are gone, I can't eat anything. Uh, I mean, it should work that way. I think Tosafot deals with that on the page before because it's really, the whole thing is we've been anything. We should write out hopefully lean. But for some reason I thought it off anyway. No, that Tosafot's not going to help. That Tosafot's in Tiruman Maasrot issues
I don't, uh, the, the question is, is a stronger question than I have a good answer to right now. In other words, we're dealing with a safek situation. If we assume it's what we call a safek hashakul, it's a doubt which we can't really tilt it one way more than the other. Now, what we did see in Tosafot earlier was that our assumption in the circumstance where, if you recall, there were two and, uh, excuse me, there were um, three and now two, so we said oh, two, two were the ones that were there and one flew away, says Tosafot, that's a strong assumption. Uh, over here, I mean, keep in mind, keep, uh, maybe you anchor it there, maybe you go, keep in mind, you're dealing with a davashi esh lomatirin. Davashi esh lomatirin is your favorite thing. The fact that it's going to be permitted after the holiday makes it that b'makom safik, in a circumstance of doubt, we have less wiggle room, even b'makom simhat yom tov. The fact that you just, just wait until after the holiday, I know it's self-defeating, because then you say, but then I met miss, so then you never have davashi. Davashi esh lomatirin is the counter, counterclaim that, well, the rabbis aren't willing to permit if it's something that, uh, just wait a little bit more time and you'll be able to have it. Um, if we have reason, that's what Tosafot told us over here, to make a clear claim, a stronger claim, it's what we call, it's not a safek shakul. I'm not um, either or. I know there were three and now there's two. I assume one of them flew away, one of them got away and the two are the two remaining. I'll push away davashi esh lomatirin. I'll maybe even veer on the side of simhat yom tov. That's what the Gemara said is permitted. Over here, I guess the assumption is it's a safek hashakul. It's a 50-50 situation in some way or fashion. In the words of uh, Jared, it's probable or it's possible, rather. And it's a davashi esh lomatirin. That's the best I have as an angle over here. All right, that, so that, that needs more research. It's still there, but the bottom checks are gone. It's no good. Correct. Because we assume, and, and you designated the top checks. We have a doubt that needs to be taken into account against the joy of the holiday, even, as what Jeffrey points out. But the two out of three over there, well, one of them's gone. And there's two here. Over here, all five are gone, and there's five in the top. There's, okay, maybe there's more of a reason to believe this. In other words, apparently, the three with two remaining is more probable then the five are the same five that were there originally. Yeah, exactly. I can't, can't give you the statistics on this. Like, okay. Yeah. Technically, you wanted to say you designated five and there were six there in the morning and then they lied. That would be okay. No, 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 one second. He says if there were six, one on the bottom, five on the top? No, no, no. no. How many on the bottom? Zero. No. No. Because we fear that those came... I know, I know one of them no, 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 that's not what he said. There were five on the bottom and five on top. You woke up and then you designated the top ones. You woke up in the morning, there were six on top and zero on the bottom. It's going to be our source. Yeah, yeah. All right, anyway, says the Gemara, we'll return. We have to figure out why the Gemara doesn't even address, but it might be along the lines of what we suggested. The Mishnah, if you recall, told us if these are the only chicks and birds around, then they're permitted. What's the case? Not really. I don't know. You're all ahead of me. I don't know. It doesn't say. Mishnah says these are the only ones. I mean, you're living in a city without any birds? It's hard to believe, right? Keep in mind, these are birds that don't per se fly. They're, they're beginning, they kind of just hop around. Says the Gemara, what's the case? 
Ilema b'meforachin. If you're going to tell me that they do fly at the beginning to fly and fly, If they fly, there's no such thing as these are the only ones. They fly. The other one, these flew away. The other ones came. The case must be that they just tiptoe. They just hop around. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara, listen, if the case is alternatively, that the idea is they're outside of 50 Amah, 75 feet is the closest chicks that you'll find to this, these chicks, uh, yeah, right? So it says the Gemara, if that's the case, all right, then it's all simple. Everybody knows that chicks don't go more than 75 feet in their tiptoeing. And as a result, if it's within 50 amas, 75 feet, we have a problem. We say that they may have, have, they may have mixed in with other ones. If it's outside of 75, Peshita, we know this already. They don't go more than 75 feet. Of course that's mutar. You don't need a Mishnah to tell me that. Le'olam di'ika ken betoch hamishim ama u'kigon dekayema bekeren zavit. The Gemara goes like this. It says that it's Bekerin Zavid. You have a picture on your page in case you forgot what a corner looks like. Rashid provides you a picture of a corner. It goes like this. There's a corner. There's a, there's a nest on one side and then there's a nest on the other side. The nests are not visible one to the other. And therefore, although they're within 75 feet, 50 ama, and therefore you might say that from one nest to the other nest, they might hop, from, they might hop. they'll only hop, says the Gemara, if as they're hopping, they could turn back and see home. If they can't see home, if mommy's not visible, they won't go. And so therefore, that's what our Mishnah is telling us, that even though they're within 50 ama, if they're not visible because of a Keren Zavit, it's mutar. Baruch Adonai Amen and Amen.